Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 289 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Really happy that you decided to join me today. We're going to be busting some myths related to frames and gear and strings and can they help your game? I think that's really the big question everybody has, and that's exactly what I'm going to be answering, as well as actually giving some some detailed recommendations for different levels of player about where to start with frame size and weight and also string type and tension. I'm going to kind of save that for last. And before we dive into that, I want to talk about some general myths and what rackets can and cannot do for you, because I think it's really important to understand. And before we get to today's topic, really quickly, I want to let you know that I'm looking, I'm looking for new topics and questions to answer. I've got a huge Google Doc with tons of questions that I've pasted in over the years, but I'd actually love to get some updated, fresh topics to talk about. So this is your chance. If, if you'd like, if you have a question related to anything tennis improvements or tennis performance, or you're just stuck in basically any way in your tennis game, you have some kind of burning frustration or desire, shoot me an email with your topic to ian, that's I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. Looking forward to seeing what your question is and hopefully featuring it on the show. So today's question comes to us from Mike. He wrote to me and said, hey, Ian, here's a question for the podcast. Hope it's focused enough for an episode. Does the choice of a racket really matter at the recreational level? That is, if we consider only player rackets of similar characteristics, can a racket make a significant difference in your game? I'm a 4.0 player, and I've demoed rackets a few times. I've always played with heavy Wilson rackets, and my demo experience tends to be inconclusive. I find that I pretty much... I'm sorry, I find that I like pretty much all the rackets I'm given to try out, and after a few weeks, I can't tell them apart anymore. So my real questions are, number one, can a racket really make a significant difference? Number two, when demoing, what should we look for in a racket? A bigger serve, a racket that improves our strongest weapon, or a racket that improves our weakest shots? And then finally, how do you pick a string type and tension? I typically just skip this step, getting whatever my tennis shot puts in the racket, and that's what I end up with. Okay, so all great questions, and we'll answer his specific questions, but first, a quick overview of what a a new frame can't do for you, and also what a new frame can do for you. I want to spell this out really clearly. I've, I've voiced some opinion about this in the past, but I don't think I've really taken the time to sit down and really outline my thoughts on the subject. So I'm, I'm glad that I, that I did that, honestly. And I, I feel like I've, uh, I've got some good notes here. So let's go through it really quickly. First, what a new frame can't do. And this is kind of the myth part of it. And I'm unquestionably going to ruffle some feathers, both on the player side of things, when it comes to big, hardcore, really nerdy gearheads, which there's a lot of them out there, who just love to obsess over player, uh, I'm sorry, over frame specifications and new technologies and 
lead tape and and just getting super super nerdy with every little detail and that's cool and i'm t- totally fine with that as long as we're all kind of honest and on the same page about what that can and can't do for you at the end of the day so there's three things that a new frame can't do number one add spin to a flat swing path maybe that sounds really obvious from the get-go but think about all the different tennis ads that you've read that you've watched that you've listened to Everybody claims that their racket will give you more spin or maximum spin, whatever it is. And I'm telling you right now that if you don't swing with a spin swing path, no racket in the world can add spin to your shot. And I'm going to be referencing a, a little phrase here. I'm not sure if I've used it on the podcast before or not. I've used it in our video content several times. I learned it from a golf coach who's actually a golf YouTuber. And when I heard this, I this is basically the smartest thing I've heard in probably the last 12 months. months. And that golf coach said, the face sends it, the path bends it. In other words, when you strike a golf ball or a tennis ball, whatever the angle of the racket face is or the club face is, that's what sets the direction, the trajectory, the initial trajectory of your shot. The path bends it. That means the swing path. And golf, they're all about swing path and should honestly be more so. And there should be more understanding in tennis, but there isn't as much, frankly, as among uh, golf players, even lower level amateur golf players. And they're all about inside in, or inside out golf, uh, swing path versus outside in swing path. And everybody knows in golf what swing paths create what swing, I'm sorry, what shot paths, what, what the, the ball does. Is it a slice? Is it a, a fade? Is it whatever? And so it's the same thing in tennis. The face sends it, the path bends it. And physics determines how much and what type of spin a shot has. And it's locked in by the path of your racket as you make contact. It's not racket technology. Racket technology cannot add spin to a flat swing path. There's a whole lot of people out there with flat swing pads that are trying to increase their spin with either gear or by doing things after the ball has already left the racket. I won't dive into that right now, but neither one of those things are going to help. Okay, a new frame also cannot increase accuracy. Again, going back to that little phrase, the face sends it, the path bends it. Contact between a tennis ball and the tennis strings occurs within two one-thousandths of a second, of a single second. That's 0.002 of one second. And the ball will always go wherever the strings are facing as that contact happens in that two to four one thousandths of a second, unless you don't hit the strings, in which case the ball could go anywhere. Now, I don't care what technology you have in your racket. I don't care what technology you have in your string. The ball will always go where the racket face is facing at contact. So a racket is only as accurate as the user is able to maneuver the racket face reliably. If you're very unreliable and inconsistent with how you maneuver the racket, then your results will always be inaccurate and will always always be difficult to, to rely on. Now, let's talk about adding power to a swing. A racket cannot add 
it can only maximize what's already there. And that basically brings us right into what a new frame can do. Let's talk about that. A new frame can help you most effectively maximize the swings that you already have. And so the right weight and the right balance can help maximize a topspin swing. If you already swing with a topspin swing path, remember it's the path that bends the ball, aka spins the ball, aka makes it curve. If you already have a topspin swing path, then the right balance of weight and the right amount of weight and the, the right kind of string and the right string tension, all those things can have an effect on topspin. If you don't have a, swing, a topspin swing path, then none of those things will make any difference. The right weights and balance can also help maximize the energy you're already transferring for more power. That being said, you have to be using your body efficiently. You have to be transferring some energy to begin with, otherwise there's nothing to maximize. And I tried to come up with one for accuracy, but I, I honestly can't. Like, if you if you just can't control the face at contact, then you cannot control what the ball does. I don't care how new or old your racket is. I don't care what technology is in your racket. It may be easier to get more consistent results uh, as far as having a larger sweet spot is concerned, but that really hasn't changed in the last several decades. There were obviously big steps forward when we went from wooden rackets to metal rackets, but that that hasn't there hasn't been any significant change there in at least the last 20 years. And to kind of illustrate that, I have a personal just quick personal story and then uh, another story that really kind of illustrates this from a professional player. I I was working with a trainer years ago and during our I can't remember if it was once a week. I think once a week we were meeting together. He was coming to my house. He found out I was a tennis coach. And he he started a conversation back and forth about what it would take to handicap me so that he would have a chance of beating me in tennis. Now, he was a pretty good athlete, not a tennis player, but he'd played tennis before. And so he felt you know pretty good about his amateur tennis, I have an amateur tennis game too, but somebody who's more of a lay person, he felt good about his chances if we found the right handicap. And so he's just working his way through different things. Like what if you're on roller skates? What if you hopped on one foot? What if you play with your opposite hand? What if you were, had a patch over one eye? And what if, what if, what if we cut your strings, like actually broke your strings? And every time I was like, no, 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 like there's there's just no, I was trying to explain to him the difference between somebody who plays tennis casually and is a good athlete and somebody who has trained as a tennis player for most of his or her life and just trying to explain the, the huge difference in ability to just make the ball go where they want it to go, do what it takes to win, use the right patterns, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we finally settled on a match where I would use a frying pan. And I went out to Walmart, really specifically remember standing there in the aisle, swinging different frying pans, trying to find a weight that felt right to me, took it home, put a tennis grip on it, and we went out and we played a set of tennis, and we bet $20 on it. And I ended, long story short, I ended up winning six to four. It was actually really close, and it was a perfect equalizer. It ended up being a great, a great match, somewhere around three, three or so. I think he he kind of started running out of steam and started getting a little bit dejected that it was even a match, and so I ended up winning. 
and this is a really similar story to what's happened with Andy Roddick was was challenged by a journalist in 2008. And if you type in Andy Roddick frying pan, you'll see all kinds, including uh, the the writer, the sports reporter who challenged him actually wrote, I believe he was writing for ESPN at the time. You can go read his account of what happened exactly. And so long story short, if you have a hitting surface and a round ball and they collide with each other, if you can reliably face that hitting surface towards where you want the ball to go, you have control, you have accuracy, you have placement. And from there, you can go ahead and use the rest of your skills to the extent that that hitting surface gives you the ability to generate some power relatively um, consistently and also maybe add a little bit of spin. Now, with a frying pan, you really can't do either of those things because it's just a hard, completely you know immovable surface. There's there's no give, there's no softness, there's there's not nearly as much power or energy transferred back, and it's very difficult to add spin. And so you are limited with a frying pan, but accuracy is quite easy. You line the the face up and you make the ball go where you want it to go. And so there's a quick overview of kind of the the main pillars of racket technology claims. There's power, there's spin, there's accuracy. Accuracy, I have a hard time coming up with anything. Power and spin, it can help you maximize, but it's not going to add, it's not going to give you anything that you didn't already have. It can help you really kind of harness and utilize what you've trained as far as your swing mechanics are concerned, but it's not going to magically give you topspin when you swing with a flat swing path. So does that mean that gear doesn't matter? That was one of Mike's questions. Absolutely not. Gear does matter. Having the right gear is critical. To me, it's just kind of a a simple mindset shift. And if you listen to all the ads, if you listen to all the marketing, then be really easy to assume that rackets and strings can give you power, can give you spin, can give you accuracy. And I'm just here to let you know and kind of bust that myth a little bit and say that they cannot give you things that you didn't already have. So let's go ahead and move to Mike's specific questions now that we've gone through that. And hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully, you know, what I'm saying sounds fair and balanced and and reasonable. Uh, The right gear, again, does make a big difference. And we're going to get to specifics in just a minute. Uh, But trading one racket for another racket with a newer technology that has basically the same specs you really can't expect there to be a huge like revelation in how you hit the tennis ball because your movement patterns have not changed. That's basically what, what Mike said in his, his question. He said, my demo experience tends to be inconclusive. I find that I pretty much like all the rackets and can't tell the difference anymore after a couple of weeks. And he tends to just demo all the same type of racket. He said player rackets, which are, are all basically around the same size and weight and balance with a little bit of of um, difference or nuance here and there. Okay, so to answer his question specifically, can a new racket really make a a significant difference? And my answer to that is yes, if the one that you were using before was a really poor fit for your game. And that happens, that happens all the time. There's a whole lot of tennis players out there playing with rackets that are just a bad fit for their skills, a bad fit for their game. Or they're playing with a racket that's that is literally decades old, and updating to something modern 
would actually be a big benefit. I'm, I'm not here trying to say that racket technology hasn't improved. It absolutely has. But over the last, I'm just going to say 10, I feel really safe saying 10 years. Over the last 10 years, probably 15 or 20 is pretty safe. There haven't been any big significant jumps in how a new tennis racket makes you hit the ball. It's really more about you and how you wield the weapon than it is about the weapon itself. So so yes, it can make a significant difference if the racket you were using before was a really poor fit or really, really old. If the frame you had before was a great fit, on the other hand, if you had a racket that was made in the last 10 or 15 years and it was an appropriate size and balance and, and weight for you, then honestly... Probably not. It's, it's unlikely to make a significant difference is what Mike was asking. Question number two. When demoing, what should we look for in a racket? A better serve, a racket that improves our strongest weapon, or a racket that improves our weakest shot? So my answer here is a frame that feels most natural and confident across the widest range of your strokes as possible is what you should be looking for. Your you're very, it's very unlikely, unless, again, you had a racket that was just a really poor fit for you, it's very unlikely that, to use Mike's example here, that a demoing a different racket is going to dramatically improve your strongest weapon or a racket that improves your weakest shot dramatically. What you're really looking for is something that feels really confident and solid and almost kind of familiar and natural, hitting the widest range of shots. Your, your ground strokes, your volleys, your serve really those four shots, your forehand, your backhand, ground stroke, your volleys, and your serve. You're, you're looking for a really confident, solid feel all around. You you will find with different weights and different balances that one racket may, may feel great on your serve, but really kind of flimsy or not solid on volleys, or maybe feels great on your ground strokes, but for serve, it's just kind of too heavy and you have a hard time creating much racket head speed, et cetera, et cetera. You, that, those little slightly more nuanced areas or where you will feel a difference. And I would I would encourage you to feel for a racket that feels really solid and well-rounded throughout your game. I wouldn't recommend picking a racket that feels really, really good on one particular shot and not great or just kind of okay on everything else. Okay, uh, next question before we get to actually last uh, question here before we get to the specifics. How do you pick a string type and tension? And he also added, I typically just skip this step, getting whatever my tennis shop puts in the racket is what I end up with. And Mike, here's where I really think you're off base. Uh, Strings are a huge variable, a really big variable. Both the, the type of string that you use and the tension that they put in and also how frequently you string your racket are are really really critical variables and it's something that i would recommend that you experiment a lot with at least at first just like you would to demo rackets and i, I think mike absolutely has it right here you sh- when you're looking for a new racket in particular there's a lot of great demo programs out there i know tennis warehouse has one i know tennis express has one those are just the two off the top of my head uh, that, that i know are are great and they have a huge selection you should try as many rackets as you can, as you can possibly try it, as many as you can be patient with, and and kind of you have the stomach for it. If you only have, if you only have the enthusiasm or the interest to try two or three, that's totally fine. If you can try six or eight or ten, then then honestly, I would say that's even better, just to get to know what feels most comfortable for you and what you'll after a while get a sense for what balance, what weight, what size 
what stiffness or thickness of the racket feels the best for you. You're only going to learn that if you try a whole lot of different types of racket and start to narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down until you've got kind of three or four that are all in the same ballpark. And that's where you kind of make your decision. So you want to, you want to find uh, a string tension and a string type that's really comfortable for you. And that really kind of, um, uh, accents or really complements the, the racket that you're hitting with. And so with that, let's go ahead and give some recommendations here. And at the end of the day, I think it's important to understand that frames and strings really should be in a general ballpark. And I'm going to give you that ballpark, whether you're a beginner, an intermediate player, or an advanced player. And then from there, it's 100% personal preference. And this is a big reason why I don't do a lot of racket talk. I don't do a lot of string talk because frankly, I think a large majority of it is just personal preference. And once you know what you feel most comfortable with, that's that's pretty much the end of the conversation. And, and you know what you like and I know what I like and it's kind of a subjective thing. And I, again, like I, I just don't f- go in for all the hype and all the, the new technology, mumbo jumbo and all that. Uh, I, I'm really don't go in for that at all. It's it's all about finding the right general ballpark. And then from there, as as rackets, you know, kind of get cycled out and they stop producing them, it's really important that you do know what you're most comfortable with so that you can transition as smoothly as possible into the next racket that you want to hit with. And so for me, like I've known what I've what I like for a really long time. And so it's very easy for me to go from one frame to another that's in the same ballpark because I'm, I'm really comfortable. It's, it's like putting on uh, the same size shoe and the same style of shoe, but just from a different manufacturer, uh, is, is not a big deal. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's a little bit different, but, but pretty much just feels like home. So if you're a beginner player, especially if this is kind of your first sport to really dive into and you're learning as an adult, then you want to go light and big to start. Now, generally speaking, I prefer to give beginner players the heaviest racket that they feel comfortable and confident with. It's not good. I'm not going to go really deep into a lot of the specifics here. I don't want to bore those of you who just aren't interested in, in nerding out about it. But generally speaking, you want to avoid really big light rackets and really big would be well over 100 square inches 110 inches or more i think is not a good racket for just about anybody if you if you have physical limitations uh if if you just if you have a really hard time generating any range of motion if you have a really hard time generating any length of swing then a really big light racket can is a godsend and can really make tennis possible. But for 99% of you, you shouldn't be looking for a huge racket. You shouldn't be looking for a racket that's under 10 ounces. Uh, those are really meant for players, in my mind, honestly, that just have a hard time swinging a racket, period. But if you've got reasonable strength and range of motion, and I mean reasonable for somebody who's just a total amateur athlete. I, I don't don't mean amateur athlete in any kind of condescending way whatsoever. I put myself in the category of amateur athlete. And so if you if you haven't done a sport your entire life and you've got really if you struggle with hand-eye coordination, if if you feel like a complete fish out of water, then a really big light racket can really help you get started. 
Uh, if you're a reasonable athlete, you've got, if you've got a little bit of coordination, a little bit of strength and range of motion, uh, a little bit of balance and, and confidence with your body, then I really wouldn't go a lot over 100 square inches. But if you're a beginner, you definitely don't want to go below 100 square inches. So I, I kind of use 100 square inches as, as kind of the, the litmus tester, or kind of the, the balance points, the linchpin kind of uh, size. The linchpin doesn't really make sense, uh, but, but you get the idea. Uh, it's kind of the um, uh, the size I recommend either going above or below, depending on what your experience level is. And beginners, you probably want to start with something at least a little above 100 square inches. String-wise, regular synthetic gut is all you need. Just some something cheap to get started is totally fine. And you want to be looking for low to mid-50s with string tension. I definitely wouldn't recommend going much below 50 pounds. I also definitely wouldn't recommend going into the upper 50s. 55 would be great. And that's going to be right in the middle of the recommended range for most rackets that are above 100 square inches. Okay. Once you've been playing for a while and you get to maybe stronger 3.0 or 3.5 and you start to gain some skills and some confidence, for that type of player, I recommend a racket right around 100 square inches. And most of those rackets are somewhere in the 10-ounce to 11-ounce range. Somewhere in there is is great. And I, if you're intermediate, I definitely wouldn't recommend going above 100 square inches. You also don't probably wouldn't be comfortable with 95 square inches or below. Right around 100 is probably going to be your, your sweet spot, give or take a couple square inches. Regular synthetic gut is, is totally fine. Probably a little bit tighter, maybe mid-50s, 56, 57 at the most probably a little bit tighter tension, and or maybe start experimenting with a hybrid string pattern, meaning half of your strings are a different um, content. Usually higher level players will play with polyester strings, which are more durable. Uh, They also make it easier to generate spin when you have a uh, spin swing path. They will not magically give you spin, but they will help you accentuate and maximize what spin you do create. And so definitely should start recommend, I would start recommending experimenting with hybrid uh, strings at that point. And you want to generally put the hybrid, or I'm sorry, generally put the polyester string in the mains. That Those are the strings that go parallel with the grip uh, up and down from top to bottom. And then leave the crosses, the ones that are perpendicular to the grip, as a, a nice soft synthetic gut. And then advanced, if once you get... Uh, to uh, 4.0 level or above, that's when you want to start experimenting with rackets below 100 square inches. Uh, 95, That's that would be a, quote, player's frame, generally 95 square inches or below. Not a lot of frames below 95 square inches anymore. That's my personal comfort level. Occasionally, I'll feel solid with a 97 or 98 square inch racket. Uh, anything above that, the balance and the weights really is not what I'm looking for. And so I hang, I've hit with a 95 square inch racket pretty much since I, I uh, finished high school. And I prefer a little bit heavier, uh, 11 inches, I'm sorry, 11 ounces or more. And I I prefer all poly. Uh, I like a little bit stiffer, deader uh, string face. And here's where you want to start experimenting again with tensions, maybe mid to upper 50s. But experiment with it. The, the trend actually recently, actually not even recently, but the last several years has been towards looser and looser strings. In fact, it's it's rumored 
that Federer is in the 40s and Nadal is in the 40s, and a lot of professional players are going looser and looser with their string uh, tension. And so you might want to experiment with that. Uh, but those are your general guidelines, just ballpark recommendations. At the end of the day, it's personal preference. Just please remember that a frame or a string cannot give you what you didn't have before. It can only help you accentuate or optimize or maximize the good habits that you've already developed. So I hope this answers some questions for you. Hope this busted some, some myths for you. Hope it clears up maybe some confusion and puts you on the right path. Please remember, if you have any questions that you'd love for me to, to discuss here on the show, shoot me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com. In the meantime, thank you for listening today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your attention. And I appreciate your passion for the game. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.